Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Work in Progress podcast. I'm here with Jay again. You might have heard him from the Dungeons and Dragons episode. In this episode, we're going to talk about food and nutrition and some of the facts that you are, you might not know and some of the facts that you might got it wrong. So I've been interested in this topic for a while now. I myself have experienced indigestion since I was a teenager and I've been looking for different diets to help me. So I started a conversation by asking Jay what is he eating on a daily basis. So here it goes. Enjoy. Okay, let's start with the basics. Okay, let's. I am, you know, for for everyone who's listening, I'm just starting to work out. So, uh, okay, I'm eating like regular Malay foods, lah. Um, you know, nasi, nasi ayam, nasi lemak, and all that stuff. Can you break down your meals first, and then you tell me what is in your meal? Okay, for each of the meals. So, previously, but I've only eaten like three times a day. So I have one breakfast, and it's either nasi lemak or probably some bread. And within that nasi lemak, it's probably. Uh, you know, uh, some some veggies, you know, the timon and everything, uh, tempeh, and I really uh, and lungs, cow lungs. I really love those things. But do you actually eat it on a weekly basis or on any frequency? Usually, I would eat it daily basis simply because it's the the closest food to my office in the morning that it's open. So I buy that as breakfast. And oh, you can buy. Oh, so you buy how long from a store? Yeah, I thought you cook it. No, no, okay. no. Yeah, they they they, they call it parula or lampong. Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, so does it come with the rice or something? No, no, no. It's a separate uh lau. Yeah, it's a separate side dish. So the nasi lemak is like its own thing, and then if you ask like, I want rendang chicken or curry chicken. Oh, okay, so, okay, okay. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Actually, that's actually good. I I think eating organs have way more vitamins than only eating the muscle meat. Ah, okay. The thing is, my uh, my father and the rest of the community, for as long as I know, actually has told me not to eat too much organs, because uh, the belief is that, and this comes from uh, the Islamic belief, lah, the Prophet, uh, is that if you eat organs, it's not good for you. You can only like eat twice in a year. Oh, that's that's an that's unfortunate. Um, based on research, yeah, organ. Okay, so not only based on research, based on nutritional values, liver, mm-hmm. kidney, mm-hmm. um, sometimes intestines and lungs, heart mm-hmm. have higher amounts of vitamins and minerals, and more types of vitamins and minerals compared to muscle meat. Okay, and they also have fat content in it which allows most vitamins to digest which helps the digestion of the vitamins oh, eating okay. fats with vitamins help a lot eating fats with vitamins yeah, yeah. okay because okay so uh, this is based on the vertical diet by Stan Epping and the bodybuilder and powerlifter mm-hmm. um, he has this concept that we have to stop caring about protein carbohydrates and fats first okay but we have to cover the bases first so the bases are your vitamins A, B, C, D, E, mm-hmm. K, B, B twelve, B two, and the minerals like zinc, iron, phosphate, mm-hmm. uh, potassium, sodium, mm-hmm. um, maybe iodine. Iodine is actually to help your thyroid function. Okay, it's to help your immune system to function yeah, yeah, to yeah, keep yeah. keep keep it working. The lymphatic system and yeah, yeah the, your whole lymphatic system. So basically, once you hit all your micronutrients for your daily requirement. Mm-hmm. 
then only you do focus on your protein, carbohydrates, or fats. Okay, I thought it was always the other way around, actually. It was the other way around because um, there are reports from a lot of um, professionals and scientists and mm-hmm. doctors saying that new research has shown mm-hmm. and also anecdotal research and findings has shown that more the focus on protein, carbohydrates, and fats itself over the past 30 years, mm-hmm. 30, 40, 30 to 40 years since the food pyramid has been out, mm-hmm. okay. has not really helped us to be more healthy, but other, but the other way around. We have got more heart disease and cancers in the past 50 years compared to the time before World War II when we only eat yeah. uh, real produce without processed food. Where we don't even know how much protein is in beef, chicken mm. or eggs. We just eat what is from the ground and what's raised by the farmer or by the ranchers. Okay, yeah, makes sense. It's like, I mean, metaphorically, you can compare it like building a house, you know. You, just, you don't build the big stuff first, you start with the small, small stuff. Yeah, it's, it's like covering the bases first. Mm-hmm. Because there are cases where morbidly obese people... Mm-hmm. Just fast yeah. for 30 days in a row. Yes. So they don't eat shit for 30 days in a row. Mm-hmm. However, they have to cover their micronutrient bases. Okay. They eat enough soup and water. Soup that contains all the micronutrients like vitamins yeah, yeah, and yeah, micro- yeah. minerals. So the body will have... Okay, so bi- micronutrients are like the enablers of macronutrient. Ah, okay. The enablers of the bodily function that we have. Our okay. organ requires sodium. Our organ requires potassium. Our organ also requires vitamins to function. Mm-hmm. When we have that, mm-hmm. our organs will find fuel source. When we eat carbohydrates or fats, those are fuel sources. Okay, I get it. So it's like... Um It's basically like the the uh, the micronutrients are tinder and then the the proteins everything they are the fuel. But you correct, can, yeah. But you can correct. just like light it up like directly. Yes, you need micronutrients to to light some, the 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 get the, the fuel up. Okay, okay, that's like a new perspective so, shift. Which is why there are a lot of cases where morbidly obese people mm-hmm. are just led to fast for 30 to 60 days. There mm-hmm. are, there's a record where a person fasts for. 360 days I don't think that is possible but maybe I've seen one guy in, in, in an article he fasted uh, for a long time he didn't eat and all he drank was coffee and tea and he managed to lose like a lot yeah, of I'm weight. sure he also did took supplements and uh, yeah, bone too. broth uh, maybe soups maybe no solid food but maybe soups that contains all the vitamins for them to mm-hmm. for the body to seek for fuels mm. okay so Speaking of fuels, mm-hmm. uh, as I said before, there are two types of fuels, fats and carbohydrates. Right. Your body prefers to burn carbohydrates because it's easy. Okay, so it's lazy. But our body will store carbohydrate and turn it into body fat mm-hmm. if you eat too much of it. Okay, yeah. Because uh, because according to Dr. Gary Fatke, mm-hmm. uh, he's an Australian doctor that focuses a lot on low-carb diet to help type 2 diabetes. Right. Uh, he found he said that the blood in your body mm-hmm. can only hold up to 4 grams of sugar. 4 grams? Only 4 grams of sugar at any moment in time. Wow. And the rest are in the muscles okay. or in the liver. Okay. 
those in the muscles has to be used in order for the blood sugar to move from the blood to the muscles. If you don't use the mu- the sugar in the muscles, mm-hmm. like constantly, if you don't constantly use it, like when you sit down in the office, right? Um, your body will just turn it into store fat. your sugar in your liver as glycogen. Okay. So, your liver is like maybe two, maybe the size of two fists. Okay, it's pretty big. It's it's okay. It doesn't have much storage for glycogen, and when you've Finish the. I mean, I mean, when you tip the tank of the glycogen storage, okay, your body will just change the glycogen into body fat. Okay, so it only does that when it's kind of full, basically. Yes, and it's always full when you always eat carbohydrate for every single meal. But that's pretty much like, you know, carbohydrates is pretty much like the staple of Asian food. Correct, which is why there are a lot of people in Asia mm-hmm. who are overweight. Okay, let me. Okay, let me. Let me say this as well now. I can say definitely in Malaysia, we have a lot of overweight people. Okay, based on WHO, Malaysia yeah. have 64% male who are overweight and 65% female who are overweight. That's not a lie. <laughs> I, that's not a lie. I've seen fat cops as well. <laughs> yeah, but here's, here's, now here's the real kicker. If you go to Vietnam, okay. if you go to Thailand, okay. there's not really a lot of fat people there. Okay. However. Okay. Um, Asian people mm-hmm. over the many generations mm-hmm. have got used to carbohydrates as their main soup meal. Okay, yeah. Um, they also have decreased in size of their body because they eat less. Uh, I would say meat. Uh, I would say calorie stuff, calorie dense foods, lah. Yeah, would, basically, carbohydrates are basically cal- calorie and not dense food. Yeah, we call it <laughs> under dense food. Under dense food is like. <laughs> It's like eating something empty. Uh, calorie light, there we go. Uh, okay. Calorie light, there you go. <laughs> okay. Okay, so when you eat carbohydrates at every meal, mm-hmm. uh, constantly eating carbohydrates, mm-hmm. so there's one hormone called the insulin. Oh, yeah. So insulin is the hormone that allows you to, to, to um, transfer the blood from the sugar from your blood to mm-hmm. your muscles okay, yeah. for you to use it. Okay. But the issue is, if you always consistently eat, when you eat, your body produces insulin for you to take the sugar into your muscles right. and into your liver. Right. But depending on your level of activity at that moment after you eat, yeah. maybe that half an hour to an hour, okay. that your body decides to put it into muscle or your liver. Okay, if yeah. you eat and sit down, it's going to definitely go to your liver. Okay. And... The continuous production of insulin mm-hmm. causes something called the insulin resistance. If you say countries like Thailand and Vietnam, mm-hmm. most probably those people who are eating carbohydrates only mm-hmm. might not be fully malnourished, mm-hmm. uh, might not be fully nourished, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but they also might not be insulin resistant because they don't eat every two hours like us. Okay, yeah, if okay, we makes eat, sense. In the modern world, we eat lunch, bre- breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And every time before breakfast, lunch, or dinner, we have snacks. Yeah, true. And yeah. every time we ingest something, insulin spikes. Yeah. Especially when you in, uh, eat carbohydrates and sugary stuff. Okay. I've, I've read as well that uh, to control your, other than fasting, right? Uh, to control your blood sugar, 
You should also take uh, what is it? Apple cider vinegar. Does that help? Is that like a real thing? I don't think it's a real thing. I think it's <laughs> just uh I think it's just something people feel that is good, but I don't think it helps at all. Maybe it helps your stomach to digest the food faster because it has acid in it. Yeah. Um doesn't really show much difference in me or all of the people I've seen online. I mean, I I use it to kind of cure my sore throats. That works pretty well, but that's <laughs> I think maybe maybe sore throat it works as well because sore throat is basically you have lacerations in your throat. Yeah. <laughs> and then why does how does acid helps? I don't know. I think it just kills the infections and probably bacteria. probably. Yeah. Anyway, so moving on. So so now that I broke down all the foods, right? That I told you. You're telling me, however. Through conventional wisdom, wisdom that I've learned from my dad and my mom and pretty much everybody. Yes, and even the USDA food pyramid. Yeah, pretty much everybody. I should eat less vegetables and like completely cut them off. From your perspective, is what you're saying. Okay. Um. From okay, it is based on anecdotal research, right? Anecdotal findings because they are. It is very hard to ask a population or a group of people to actually stop eating something and asking them to be like. Accurate about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's most nutritional studies are actually survey based. Yeah, they will be like giving you a question after one every year to ask you what have you eaten this year. I'm like, how the hell do I remember what I ate last year? Yeah, and it's not the most accurate. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it is the not the most accurate, but we still tend to refer to these kind of studies mm-hmm. done in the 70s where they interviewed a group of vegetarians which is uh, the Seventh-day Adventist vegetarians oh, uh, Christian okay. the, the Vegetarian Christians Association which are very very healthy okay they believe in not smoking exercising mm. and vegetarian meal okay that's good I mean good diet um health conscious people mm-hmm. are going to be more uh, healthy than those people who are not health conscious but not eating vegetables right so there are new research nowadays that shows that vegetables contains toxins toxins when you say toxins what exactly do you mean by that okay so animal has claws and legs to attack you or run away from you when you hunt them yes okay to when predators hunt Plants, yeah. Plants can only be chemists. They produce toxins to make sure right. the predator do not eat, eat them. them, or if they fail to do so, they will also have remaining toxins in them mm. to hurt the predator, so they do not eat them again. I see. Yeah. Okay. I understand. So if that makes sense, mm-hmm. that means all the vegetables that you eat mm. have nutrients. <laughs> Or what we call as anti-nutrients that <laughs> blocks your intestines from absorbing real nutrients from protein. This is you like can, the, you can move this up. Yeah, okay. This is like just the happen- hold it. Okay. Okay. This is like the happening 2.0. If you remember you that just, movie, you can all the way. Because like you know, in that in that movie, everyone dies because the plants were like kill everyone. I, I, I didn't. I didn't watch the show. Yeah, it's a. It's, it's a movie. It's a movie. It's a okay. M Night Shyamalan movie. Okay. It's basically everyone just commits suicide. And then it, the they in the movie it, it, they find out like it's because of the plants, the plants are releasing pheromones or whatever. I think I think I think it's real. I think it's real, but it's not at that level. It's yeah. not that dramatic. Yeah. Um, but more I can and see that. since since the vegan movement, like maybe half a decade ago, maybe like five years ago, is they started this vegan movement. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people moving into the vegan society. Uh, so this vegan community people, there are some people who are 
getting their health worse and worse <coughs> just because they are not getting the enough nutrients. Yeah. So when your body don't have enough nutrients, your body eat yourself. Yeah, autophagy, is it? Yeah, autophagy. Yeah. But if you don't have any more things for them to eat, like mm. you don't have any more extra fat or any extra skin for them to eat, yeah. they will eat you. Yeah, they'll eat the muscles and Be- pretty much everything. Which is why you, uh, people who have been vegan for many years straight will get sick easily because their immune system are compromised. Yeah, I can see that. The other thing is, um, there is a lot of raw vegan movement where people only eat raw food. Okay. And it's even worse when you eat raw food because the toxins are way more effective in raw form than cooked form. Yeah, but I can see where they're coming from because they're always saying stuff like, oh, you know, our ancestors never pretty much had fire, so <laughs> we should eat like them as well. Our ancestors didn't have fire, For but while, we yeah. found fire. Yes, we did. But only after we found fire that we cooked things that made the food more bioavailable for mm-hmm. us to absorb mm-hmm. so that we can absorb more of it. Okay. Reducing the need for our stomach to be as big as uh, a cow. Cow has four stomachs. Yeah, I do. In order to ferment the food twice and then to digest the food twice in two of the stomachs and then another two of the stomachs. Yeah. So, um, we evolved to prioritize on brain development. Yeah. Okay. Which, is why, which is where we need nutrient-dense food. We have small intestines. Mm-hmm. We have small stomachs. We have very small digestive system compared to... Herbivores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Herbivores like gorillas and stuff, they have big ass digestive system because they have to eat a lot to get a little amount of nutrients, which makes it not efficient for them to evolve a bigger brain. You're making a lot of sense to me right now, this entire topic on food. I mean, I'm, I'm, I used to be a very big believer uh, with veggies. I okay. mean, because like, me too. Because like, if you look at even like, like what is it? Our teeth structure, like how it's... Yes, yeah. yes, me too. And then I yeah. guess um, our teeth structure really um, changed, but the number of teeth didn't change is because that we used to eat raw meat mm-hmm. or raw tubers mm-hmm. um, that we have to bite really hard to break the meat down. Mm-hmm. But since we discovered fire, mm-hmm. we don't we don't really eat much of raw meat, and since the food are cooked, it is easier to digest and easier mm-hmm. to eat requires us to have less muscle in our jaw to, in order to eat the food. When there's less muscle in our jaw, our jaw don't grow that big. Mm-hmm. So, thus the crowding. God, yeah, yeah, yeah. This explains a lot. How? Wow. It is... These are layers, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it also explains a lot. Uh, I mean, it explains a lot in terms of why this and this, uh, I have I have had a lot of questions, especially for. I the mean, you can argue otherwise. Yeah. However, uh, I think this is also a very, very logical explanation. No, I'm not gonna argue otherwise, but I will play devil's advocate, and I'm just gonna tell you from the perspective how, uh, of let's say these raw vegans, right? You say like, why do cows need all four stomachs? And I say, but then they would also say, but look at our ancestors, the Homo erectus. They're all tall and they're all muscle. They all eat veggies and fruits and, 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 you know, they're fine. I mean, I think that's what they're trying I, to I, I strive guess to. Both of, both of the argue, both sides of the arguments, like vegans and carnivores, mm-hmm. people who eat meat, they don't really have r- real objective truths because, yes, you can find some of these, uh, some of the people, some archaeologists can actually find some skulls, some, some bones of uh, Homo erectus bones mm-hmm. saying that we actually eat more 
vegetables and also some part of the world also ate more meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is actually not conclusive. No studies are conclusive okay. showing that all humans ate more vegetables than meat. It is more likely mm-hmm. that we ate nutrient-dense food okay. so that we can survive longer when okay. there is no food. And secondly, mm-hmm. um, before factory farming, before real farming, before agriculture, humans don't really have any way other than to get wild food. Yeah, we, we just wild, hunted. Yeah, we just hunted or just got fruits from the ground mm-hmm. or from tree mm-hmm. or things that just randomly grew around the plains. Yeah, it's basically like a gamble every yeah. day. And it's also very hard to say that you will get um, berries from the tree mm. today. I don't know if I have a berry today, but I can go and find an elephant today to kill. Definitely. Yeah. So basically, the, the theory now is that Humans probably eat meat for 9 to 10 months of the year. Mm. Maybe in the 1 to 2 months where the animals are all hibernating, right. we eat uh, vegetables. Okay. Be- uh, just in order to survive. We, yeah. we are omnivores. We are omnivores. We can survive eating vegetables. Yeah. We will not die, but will we thrive? That's the question. Yeah, that's the question. Okay, so now let's move on to this. So now that you're putting me on this transitional period to change from my usual diet of carbohydrates and veggies yeah. into purely... I, I guess uh, the first thing for you to do is to cut out a processed food. Proce- okay, here's the thing. Uh, I never really understand the definition of processed food uh, until like someone told me what it is. So, w- what do you understand about it? Previously, I've always understood that processed food is like uh, anything from a can, anything that's not organic is processed food. Now Correct. I under- yeah, but now I understand processed food means if it's so calorie dense, that's pretty much processed food if it's too calorie dense like for example cakes and desserts and yep. yeah that, that's what it means to be highly processed like a thousand calories in like if a, a mug cakes cakes comes in a can <laughs> cake, cake comes with I mean, it does I mean cakes comes in a can like you, you have to buy the cream from a can and yeah. you have to buy the, the flour from a, from a pack or something yeah. yeah but previously I really did not yeah. know when people yeah. say like highly processed I always thought like what does it mean, highly processed? Or oh, barang pengawet, you know, all that stuff. But now, I'm. what it means is like a Snickers bar, right? It has like, how many calories for a Snickers bar? Six, Probably 400. 400 to 500, which yeah. is like half, more than 70% of a meal. Yeah, exactly. And if you compare that on a plate with, um, I don't know, like a chicken or whatever, you can you can see the difference. And that's what I, that's how I understood, oh, so this is processed meals. Yeah. Um, I heard a podcast of a doctor in the Peter Atia Drive <coughs> it's a health podcast mm-hmm. so the doctor specialises in uh, what, what's that care for kids care for kids um, make a wish no. no 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 I mean no he, he is like a specialist for care for kids pediatrician yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah pediatrician yeah. Yeah. yeah so he has a lot of cases of kids now having pre-diabetes Oh wow! At, at like eight years old, they oh, are wow. they are diagnosed with pre-diabetes. You know how they diagnose with pre-diabetes is to check your insulin uh-huh. and to see if your insulin level is always high. And if it's, it's always high. Yeah, that means it's going to be resistance very soon. Ah, uh, I get it. <coughs> I yeah. get it. So his definition. Uh, so he he has the advice to parents: do not go into the supermarket and buy things that are labeled. That's it. So simple. That is it. That is it. <coughs> Anything labeled, mm-hmm. bad for you. It is basically poison. Okay. It's a warning label, he says. <laughs> but the caveat is, yeah. he says, it causes t- 
twice the amount of money. Yeah. It costs twice and it takes twice the amount of time to prepare it. Because real food needs to be cooked. Yeah. And modern society has basically pretty much understood that convenience can be exploited and sold. That's pretty much it. Basically, if we keep going down to be modern, mm-hmm. uh, I think we are also we are forced to face our uh, our I mean our fate lah. Because as humans, we we need real food to in order to thrive. If we keep this up, mm-hmm. no matter how much money we make, okay, no matter how good the economy is, mm-hmm. processed food will just make us worse and worse. Okay, we will just make more money, and then we'll just need more healthcare. It's just that it doesn't it, make sense to me. Yeah, it it doesn't make sense at all. Anyway, yeah, uh, to to continue this point where where we were saying uh, earlier about this carnivore diet. The point, uh, the thing is, moving into the carnivore diet sounds to a normal person like yeah, me. Yeah, correct. I I understand is that. It's very dangerous because of three things. Right. The first is, um, it's all meat. Okay. So. What I think cost-wise is is out of the question. Is yeah, of course going to okay, be more yeah, expensive. That was my second point. It was like yep. the cost, but okay. the first one is like the there's no veggies, there's no fibers. Yep. I've also heard like yep. if you ate a lot of yep. red meat, you develop ulcers as well in some cases. Um, I guess ulcers is because of the thinning of your skin mm-hmm. in your mouth mm-hmm. due to having too much carbohydrates that causing inflammation in your body. Okay. What about stomach ulcers? I've I've heard that can happen as well. I've not really seen into stomach ulcers, but so far, all the anecdotes that I've received for people eating carbohydrates, mm. unless they are allergic to meat, yeah, you yes, you can have a bug that bites you, makes you allergic to meat. Oh wow, that's, that's that sad. is crazy, and that's another question. Um, <laughs> so unless you're allergic to meat or red meat, you basically have nothing to be afraid if you are eating meat only. I'd argue, if you eat too much fiber, that causes even worse stomach ulcers and intestine ulcers because it cannot be digested. Yeah, but that's the point though. That's like conve- like from what conventional wisdom has told us, you need the fibers because it kind of like it goes along. It clumps with your Yes, stools. yes. Okay. What if you don't eat food that doesn't digest? What if you only eat food that your body can digest? Mm-hmm. Why would you have waste then? Does it make sense? Hmm. Okay. It is because you eat a lot of food that doesn't have much nutrients and you pack it up with fiber and then bring it out together with your stool which doesn't make sense to me because if you're already eating food mm-hmm. make sure the food is nutritious so that your intestines can digest it fully Ah, uh, okay okay so on paper at least in theory if i just eat meat i'll never have to poop ever again <laughs> not really but <laughs> it's a fun okay, idea because to think about Meat itself yeah. also contains carbohydrates and also some fibers yeah. that doesn't really become protein or fat. But it's not really as r- rich compared yeah. to vegetables. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I get it. There is a research shown by uh, Dr. Paul Mason. Uh, he he did a study with a bunch of people that has constipation, diarrhea. Uh-huh. And I think uh, they have another uh, some digestive issues they have. So um, he... He measured their baseline of having their normal diet. Mm-hmm. So the normal diet contains carb, uh, vegetables and fiber in the diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, baseline, they have um, something like half the bar chart of, of uh, occurrence of constipation, diarrhea, mm. and stomach issues. And then once they increase the patient's fiber intake, all the symptoms increased. Once okay. they decrease, mm-hmm. it decreased. 
once he took off all the vegetables for a period of time, uh-huh. all the, the symptoms got away. Okay, so okay, so let's continue this. So if I start this carnivore diet and, and you're telling me to do it as, as soon as possible, when will I see these effects? How fast can I see these effects? It really depends on you. For myself, um, I had a two-weeks transition period. Was it hard? Um, the two-weeks transition period was my stool got less mm-hmm. but it was like around one or one a day or two days once something like that okay but it's a bit tough to release it but it's a bit painful because i guess because there are bacteria in your gut that helps you digest to digest the food right since it is not used to digesting so much meat mm-hmm. it needs time to adapt okay and then that will cause you to have some stomach issues over a few weeks some people tend to most people use tend to have it for a week or two. Mm-hmm. Some have it even longer for four weeks or to six weeks. Mm-hmm. Some even say six months, but I don't think I don't know how they can take the six months transition period. For me, I would stop right swipe right away. After <laughs> the two weeks, I don't have any constipation issues anymore. I don't have stomach aches. Okay. Okay, because uh, here's a little of a little context of my digestive issues. Right. I have irritable bowel syndrome. Oh wow, IBS. Yeah, oh. uh, which causes me random stomach cramps and intestinal cramps and uh, constipation, puking, uh, failure. It's like I cannot fart. It's like I get stuck. It's like the intestines are stuck. Oh, I've been having that since sixteen or seventeen. Okay, and I've been in and out of the hospital every six months because of a serious IBS reaction causing like immense pain. Um, and then in between those six months, I'll be having probiotics and also maybe some yogurts and maybe visiting the doctor every three months mm-hmm. to, to keep up to date. And then I've also done a lot of colonoscopy and endoscopy to look at my stomachs and intestines, but there are no lacerations, no inflammation at all, Yeah, which means the doctor will not prescribe any operations or surgery or any medications to directly heal the mm. the gut. However, right. they cannot check if the gut has healthy microbiome. Microbiome is the gut bacteria yeah, that, yeah. Is, that is used to digest food. Correct. <laughs> um, so, according to the doctor, I should eat more vegetables. Right. So, I tried eating more vegetables and that made me even more frustrated. And after the carnivore diet, I had no issues at all for over a year. So do you, so I think this is based on my bias understanding of the diet. Yeah. Uh, I really hate the stomach issues in the middle of the day out of nothing because I'm at work and I have stomach issues. Uh, it is not painful at the point that I have to leave work, but it's annoying. It affects. Yeah. It affects. Um, even in college, I would just not eat before an important exam because I would try to avoid the pain. I see. Because not eating means not triggering your stomach digestion. Mm-hmm. Um, the pain comes from your digestion of food that is not compatible with the gut microbiome. I see. Yeah. So, so after that, after... okay, So, so after the two weeks transitional period, yeah. uh, I think I didn't feel mentally clear... Uh, after that straight away yeah. but I felt my energy was okay I, I previously had tried the ketogenic diet where the traditional ketogenic diet where I only eat meat and vegetables right 
uh, that was good for weight loss and also not that great for my digestion, but way better because I take off the carbs. Yeah. Uh, carbohydrates actually are feeding the bad bacteria in your stomach. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So once I take out the carbohydrates, less symptoms of IBS, but still are symptoms. But significantly more or less, I would say. Uh, yeah. I would say not significantly more, maybe half. Okay. The other half was healed by only eating meat, meat. and majority meat. I would say 90% meat. I do sometimes eat a little bit of vegetables and rice. Mm-hmm. Uh, social settings in Malaysia, right? Yeah, what they do. Uh, um, probably one month after... Okay, after the two weeks, I had no issues digestion anymore. I just kept eating meat, like red meat, white meat. So it was a noticeable eggs. change, This like no IBS anymore. Yeah, Yeah, and then I, I felt no IBS after the two weeks. And then after maybe six months down the road, I start to feel more mentally clear. And I don't... And my energy levels are quite steady. I don't feel... Uh, I don't no feel dip, the lunch, lunch dip. Yeah. The dip actually happens because... Mm-hmm. Your insulin level gets too high right after your meal yeah. in lunch or dinner. Uh, you op- you normally feel it during lunch because the office is boring. <laughs> Definitely. Your insulin spikes, your blood sugar spikes as well. But your insulin spikes and then you will be taking all the sugar from your blood to your muscles. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly your blood sugar will drop. Then yeah. during that time where your blood sugar is low, you will feel the dip. Yeah, I feel it. I when feel you it, feel yeah. the up and down too mm-hmm. much, um, it's bad for your mental state, I say. I would agree on that, simply. When yeah. you don't feel that that up and down, you f- when your insulin is like flat line throughout the day, mm-hmm. it feels, it doesn't feel exciting. It doesn't feel as exciting as feeling, feeling pumped up after, okay. after a great meal. But, it, but you don't have to feel, you don't have to ride the downfall. You know? I see. But basically, to translate that as well, you don't feel a real drag. When you get home, you feel like, I can do this still, I can do that. Yeah, right? you don't feel a drag and you also don't feel the uphill sudden rush of sugar rush or something. Okay, yeah. I can. I would love to feel that simply because me personally, I have a lot of motivation issues. I think... I, yeah, I it does. Yeah. It does help. It does help. I, I, when I started the carnival diet, I was in a place... I was working in a kind of of a high stress yeah place. yeah yeah you've told me yeah um, and it helped me my energies were more stable mm-hmm. and working there made me feel like um, I'd say I don't have time for workouts and mm-hmm. stuff and after starting the diet I'd be more pr- tend I would tend to go to the gym more you still have the motivation to go yeah, even after work yeah even after work because it just feels better it really just feels like Okay, my energies le- my energy le- my energy levels are more stable throughout the whole day. Given I have enough sleep, that is that is applicable to everybody. Uh, yeah, sleep. no matter your diet. Uh. I mean, to be, like this is a bit of detail. I actually hate sleep. To be perfectly honest. Okay. Why I've would o- you say that? I've always hated sleep since I was like sixteen years old. Yes, I mean we are rebels, right? But we want things to get done but I, you just have to listen to your body I know it's just yeah. like one of those me too things, I, do, I do hate sleep too I hate like I feel like why do I need to sleep 6 hours to feel this refreshed can I just sleep for 1 you can but you pay the price yeah no, I know I've, I've read a lot of studies on sleep as well it's, it's still complicated so yeah sleep is still complicated but there's one argument I heard from um, Dr. Matthew Walker okay what did he, he say he has a book which is titled Why We Sleep ah yeah yeah I've yeah. read this book 
You've read this book? Yeah, I've read uh, Why We Sleep, Why We Nap. Okay. I, I, haven't, I haven't read the whole book, but I've heard him speaking about the book. Mm-hmm. He's, he has a theory is, as in being like, why do our um, evolutionary stage don't take off the eight hours a day mm-hmm. for us to be more productive in finding food, mm-hmm. mating or reproduction, mm-hmm. uh, and keep... Okay, so time is valuable. Right. 24 hours a day. Why yes. do we have to eat? Why do we have to sleep for 8 hours? Mm-hmm. And then, even after so many generations of evolution, we retain the 8 hours yeah. of sleep we require. It is because it is absolutely required. Well, yeah, there's also another, st- like, you know, we can also argue, like, you don't, and not everyone needs 8 hours of sleep. Some need yes, 6, some yes, need yes, 4. Yes, yes, But... Yeah, to be, there is no real definition to why we need to sleep though. It is required. We all know that conclusive No, fact. it is required because we need it because when you sleep, mm-hmm. our body repairs itself. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, if... There is no way that your body will keep functioning if you do not sleep on a daily basis. Exactly, yeah. But still, I just don't agree with it. <laughs> it's one of those things, I, I know what it does, I know what it does, I know what it is. I just feel like if there is a way to optimize sleep, and I've been trying to hack sleep since I was 16. I've, I've tried the everyman uh, sleeping method. The Have you tried the Uberman? Oh, it was <laughs> difficult, man. I swear to God, it was like dying. Half an hour, every two hours, right? Every uh, four, three hours. Every 20, 20 minutes for four hours, and then you the transition period can be like a week to four, like uh, four weeks. And honestly, it was, it was difficult for me because I was trying to do it. I was doing it during SPM time. Okay. So it was great. Not a smart time to do Not school. a smart time to do it. But, <laughs> but I really just wanted, uh, my motivation was, like, I really just want to play games at night and then I can go study. Yeah. Now, so after the first two, three weeks, uh, I, I, I dozed up in class, but I mostly managed to wake up, run around and everything. I noticed I can stay awake after the fourth week. But, but what happens is your focus dips a lot. So you can do the Uberman. You can do all your tasks. You just need to make sure your tasks are small enough. It doesn't require a lot of cognitive thinking. That's not a good thing. Yeah, it's not. It's like, it's really good for like, you know, if, if you have like playing games and everything, it's really great because okay. there's not a lot. You're just playing around. Yep. But when if you're you, like studying and oh, like, yeah. like, like theorizing a project or something. No, you go to school, you think you did the right thing and then you sleep 20 minutes and you wake up. Oh my God, what is this? <laughs> Yeah, you only have like that mental clarity after that nap of 20 minutes. Uh, you have like probably... And that mental clarity uh, it, 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 dips. It, it, it dips like crazy. So okay. yeah, I've never did it. I think another one, uh, Steve Pavlina, he's also tried it. He's tried it for an entire year. Okay. And this guy... Tried the Uberman? He tried the Uberman okay. for an entire year. Okay. But at the same time also, um, he said he find it great, but he was also on a full vegetarian diet at the time as well so i'm not really sure he said it was fun for him he didn't do much all because he just ate veggies and he never worked out and but he said he got bored of it because everyone is asleep that was his only problem he couldn't socialize okay that was it but steve pavlina if if you ever uh google him he can he's a great resource for a lot of things though yeah i I, yeah i okay i got it got it but um it is, it is also shown in the studies by Matthew Walker is also saying that some parts, okay, when we are awake, we are putting damage in our brain. 
when we think, when we see, when we just use our brain, when we're awake, yeah, we are damaging our brain. So normal wear and tear, basically. Yes, yeah. but every night sleep mm-hmm. will repair the damage in our brain. Mm-hmm. If we do not repair the damage in our brain, we will have earlier chances to get dementia. We have mm. we'll break down earlier. Basically, just wear and tear when you're awake. Sleep is to repair it, and use thirty percent of the time of your day to repair the the other sixty six per the other sixty seventy percent of yeah. the time is is worth it. It's totally worth it. Okay, okay, so you you managed to like really shifted my perspective on that. So I have to thank you. I think, yeah. um, I tried. I mean, I tried to sleep more and it really helped me especially when I'm on the carnivore diet mm. when I'm off fiber and since fiber causes inflammation mm. and then I for inflammation causes fatigue and stress and all stress kind of uh, causes a lot of things uh, a lot of negative things in our brain and I still have issues with discipline mm-hmm. I still don't sleep on time okay. when we go to bed you just look at the phone and yeah. you can't sleep uh, I think this is the final hurdle is like to be disciplined to sleep on time to wake up on time that's that's okay. and you're gonna be fine but okay but to summarize basically that you from because I think we only have like five more minutes before I have to chow but basically you believe that by changing our diet to a carnivore diet which is more optimized more calorie dense yep. more nutritious yep. for us getting enough sleep uh, not only that like the carnivore diet itself just helps with a lot of uh, our usual problems the intrinsic motivation procrastination yep. and just energy yep. levels I'd, I'd say give it a try if you don't want to go too deep mm-hmm. transition into it by removing fibers and vegetable oils okay vegetable oils that's the important one yeah, yeah. vegetable oils have a lot of oxidative stress on your gut okay. it somehow causes your gut to not able to digest real food Okay, all right. So to our listeners out there as well, I guess you should uh, start cutting out rice. Uh, I guess your veggies. Uh, that, that is correct. Um, uh, also, maybe try to slowly cut out your fruits and veggies. And yeah. Also, maybe after a few more months, if you feel better, try cutting out everything. All right. Okay. One. Except eat having meat. Uh, last one is that can we use soy sauce in our cooking? I guess <laughs> there's no issue because. It's only a little of soy. Yeah. I guess it's fine, but don't use it for every single meal. I guess I prefer s- salt. Rock salt or sea salt. I Okay. Yeah, um, it's chill. way better. Okay, understood. Well, that's. I think that's all the time we have today. And, and also, um, this is not uh, health advice. <laughs> okay. So if you have any issues, uh, this is a disclaimer. So if you have any issues with your health, Please seek a medical professional. Yeah, this is just two guys trying to talk about something, I guess. <laughs> Alright, everybody. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And I hope you actually learned something new about nutrition today. And also, be skeptical of what you've been told about nutrition all this while. You may not know if the things you've been told are right or wrong. Maybe just ask questions. Google search yourself. Do your own research. If you don't have time to do your own research, here's a book I recommend. It's called Lies My Doctors Told Me by Dr. Ken Berry. In this book, Dr. Berry uncovers many of the popular beliefs in nutrition with logic and data. 
please do follow our podcast on Spotify and if you're listening this on Anchor FM feel free to leave a voice message comment if you have any questions if you like this podcast please spread the word by recommending this podcast to one other person thank you for listening